0: Welcome back to the Snowmobile Podcast. This is your host, Gordavan. Today's episode, we got a real good one. We got uh, a big topic going on uh, in the the snowmobile racing industry, and um, it's uh, creating quite a stir. The 2017-2018 Pro Open Snowcross rules have been released, and um, there's been some changes going to basically a limited build uh, snowcross setup. And uh, we got a guy who, uh, who was uh, involved with uh, voting for, uh, for those rules and um, uh, an affiliate with the ISR, Ken Ivan of the Canadian Snowcross Racing Association. Ken comes on and he's, uh, he talks about uh, you know, basically where the, where the, the, the uh, snowcross uh, um, rules are going, why they changed uh, these rules and uh, what you can expect uh, with these uh, new upcoming rules. Um, if you haven't listened to the past episodes, and we have some new uh, new listeners uh, uh, tuning in to this uh, episode, we have 48 other episodes with some of the top legends of the sport of snowmobiling. Check them out. Uh, we're on iTunes. You can just search Snowmobiling Podcast on iTunes. You can download them to your device and, uh, and listen to them later, or SoundCloud. And uh, SoundCloud, you can uh, stream... Uh, the, uh, the all these episodes uh, to your device. Um, if you're on Wi-Fi, just stream it uh, to your device or your computer or uh, however uh, you listen to uh, music. We're on all the social medias, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. So you can check out all the episodes there plus some, some other stuff that I post. And if you need to contact me, you can do so at snowmobilingpodcast at gmail.com. I hope you like this one. Here's Ken Evan of the Canadian Snowcross Racing Association. Okay, we're talking with Ken Evan, uh president of the uh, CSRA, the Canadian Snowcross Racing Association. And um, Ken, there's uh, there's some pretty uh, um, uh, compelling arguments going on right now uh, with the uh, current um, ISR uh, rules package, and uh, we really want to get your opinion on uh, on what's uh, of uh, what's going on with the, with the snowcross rules. But first, um, let, let's go back to um, your your history with uh with racing and uh your promoter experience uh i think a lot of people aren't really aware of what uh what's going on up here in canada and uh, I, I believe we're the you know the csra is the longest running uh racing organization if you if you don't count eagle river really um but uh, a lot of people don't know about the csra so um talk to us about the, the csra and, and your experience uh-huh.
1: Yeah, Gordwell, uh, thanks, uh, for for chatting on this subject. It is um, it is a bit of a uh, controversial, but um, we have to, um, you know, move forward with our sport and hopefully uh, make things bigger and better. So that's kind of where everything's uh, going on right now in regards to the pro class. But in regards to our, uh, our history with CSRA, yeah, we've been going for 23 years. Um, started snow cross racing in Canada. There, there was none. And uh, there wasn't also no racing going on in Michigan. So I started the ASRA circuit. And we did the... Uh, Michigan series for a number of years. And then we took the series also into the stadiums and did, um, you know, the Pontiac, Macrodome, the Silver Dome, Fargo Dome, Roger Center. Um, so lots of, uh, of snowcross uh, racing experience, even on the, uh, on the world stage. And then in addition to that, um, as far as my racing career goes, I started racing uh, when I was 16 years old. So I've been involved in power sports for 43 years. Racing motocross for seven years, ATVs and quads, personal watercraft. And then I ran pro ovals um, for 21 years and also some cross country and, and snow cross. Um, and I raced at the factory level for those 20 years, racing for three of the four manufacturers, including Yamaha, Skidoo, and Polaris. And was also a test driver for uh, Skidoo and Dredd Carpec with some of their first uh, cross country snow cross sleds. For a number of years, so that was a fabulous experience working with that team, and um, and then when snowcross started up uh, in Europe, and and then was moving to the U.S. I saw it, I saw it happening, and that's when I jumped on it, and then I pulled out of oval racing and, and started going to the uh, snowcross format. And um, as nobody was doing the events here, I started the snowcross uh, sport here in Canada, and then as I said, I went on to Michigan, and then and here we are today.
0: Great, awesome. Um, okay, so we just finished wrapping up the uh, the uh, the CSRA season. Um, what are the highlights uh, that that you saw this, this year in the in the CSRA circuit uh, for the 2016-2017 season?
1: Well, we had a, we had a, we've had we had a really solid circuit for a number of years, and um, last year was a little bit of a challenge for everybody, for all of our circuits, I believe, with the weather conditions we've had and, and lack of snow in some areas and um, just uh, spotty weather uh, all over North America all in all our circuit was uh, we had a nice solid circuit we've got um lots of racers between 300 and 400 uh racers and we've got i think the strongest um kids program and 120 program in north america so we've got lots of kids coming up to the ranks and some really talented racers coming up that are going to feed into the um the core isr classes being the sport pro like and the pro class moving forward so uh, i think we're in really good shape here and um and hopefully, uh, we can just keep things growing and, and keep our sport vibrant.
0: Yeah, that's nice. So, yeah, the the 120 program has been really, really big, and uh, and also the, the transition classes—they uh, call it that's been that's been strong for a number of years. Um, okay, this past season, um, you implemented the, a new Pro X class. It was called, um, and I, I mean, I, I think that's probably a, a really sets into what the the new rules package is—is is that Pro <laughs> X class? Discuss your pro x class that you had this year who competed in it what were the what were the rules and uh, what was the response from the racers the the, the team managers and and, and really the spectators too
1: well last year i um i started this whole uh initiation of this of the change for the pro open rules and i and i brought it to the board of the isr meeting and it was a bit much to grasp for everybody at first um but i i just perceived that it needed a change to um to get more uh, races into the class. So, what they came back with is, was, um, well, you go ahead and do it in, in, in Canada at the CSRA circuit level, and, and um, if you, if you want to go that route and see how that works for you. So, what we did is we called the class Pro X. This is a pro experimental class. And we just allowed, we used a pro light chassis so that the guys could use uh, you know, basically the same, same rules as what's in place right now. And we allowed the pro racers to go into that class as well as the pro light racers to compete head-to-head. So we had a few of the pro racers uh, jump down into the class to race against the pro light riders. And um, But really what happened was the manufacturers didn't really support it last year. There was no contingency money. Uh, some of the manufacturers asked their racers not to compete in it because they were a little bit concerned about the where we were going, I guess, with the class. And um, So that, that's all good. But uh, anyhow, the class was really... Uh, you know, I thought it was really exciting racing. The guys were racing four or five, six abreast when they were competing out there. And uh, as a test, we also ran them in the, um, in the morning part of the schedule, so it wasn't part of our main events. And the reason I did that was I wanted to see what the response was to the, the new ProLet rule with the aftermarket silencers, which was a, a, a rule we put into place last year at the RSR um, for the previous year, so to speak. Just to see how the sleds would sound and work, and um, and uh, you know the sleds, uh, the pro light sleds sounded pretty awesome with the aftermarket silencers on them. So when we got, when we brought the class to the to the line in the morning schedule, um, all the fans would would hear the sleds fire up because of the aftermarket silencers that all head to the head to the fence line to watch the race. So exactly the same effect is that the pro open class has, where as soon as the fans hear the noise. They want They all drop what they're doing and head to the head to the lines to watch the race. So that's exactly what happened. That was just a bit of a test, and it worked like we thought that it would. So it was it was good in that sense.
0: Yeah. And uh I mean uh, the the t- the team response you you mentioned uh, uh that the teams were were pretty much in favor but uh I guess when uh, if they don't if the teams they don't get the contingency money obviously they have to make a decision at that point but uh, otherwise you, you know for what I heard they were they were, they all loved the class it's just uh you know I mean money money's money and that, and that's what this all these rules come down to is money. Um and uh you know Well it
1: was uh, the class was exciting I think. It was, it was an exciting class to watch for sure, and that was the primary goal of, of the test. And then, in addition to that, you know, we uh, we had a four by four truck on the line. Um, so Taylor McCoy, riding a Skidoo ended up winning the championship for that class. He drove away in a nice um, twenty five hundred Duramax for a one year period. So he was, he was he certainly liked the class. And um, and then just discussing throughout the year about the the plans for the new rule change for Pro Open. Um you know a lot of the pro open guys weren't weren't excited about it but a lot of the younger kids coming up to the ranks they were all excited about it because then they could have a chance to actually compete at that at that level So, Um so there's lots of uh lots of argument on both sides I guess but uh we can we can talk about that moving forward here.
0: Sure. Yeah. Um okay. Yeah, yeah. All the affiliates, the affiliates, they, they talk amongst each other, kind of thing like that. What were they saying about the new CSRA class? Uh, were they asking you about it? Um, there, there had to be some curiosity about about this class.
1: There wasn't. A, there wasn't a lot of response to it. We just went ahead and did our own thing, and we did that. We've done that before, like all the transition classes. We we started all of those classes here at CSRA, working with um, Articad and Mike Coletti originally we started working with the Skidoo with the freestyle program years and years ago which was very successful to bring new kids into the sport. And then we wanted to get all the manufacturers involved so we discussed the transition program. We've got that in place now and that was very successful with CSRA then then moved on to all the other circuits and all the circuits international are using that now. So like I said, that class is just a test. Um, <clears throat> we tested it. Um, I think there's it's got lots of merit to it and, and um, I think it's really you know gonna be a important class moving forward to help us, uh, help us grow the sport based on the direction the sport has been going in that particular class.
0: Yeah, nice. Um, okay, so let's break down the rules. Uh, last year's pro open rules, the, the, uh, the pro X rules that you had and the new pro open class rules. What are the differences right now?
1: Well, in pro open in the past, obviously the, the chassis rule has been open. The guys can build pretty much whatever they want, chassis wise. And as far as the engine, the engine goes, they had a high compression head and, and, um, and pipes on them. That was basically it. A lot of the, the teams still used more of a production uh, chassis sled anyhow, but they, could, they were able to, to do what they wanted to do to it. And then um, in regards to ProLite, it's just a limited build race sled. by All the manufacturers are building 100, 175 of them. And the only change they could do to those in the pro light class, starting last uh, this past season, was put an aftermarket silencer on it, and then you can change shocks, handlebars, the basic things to improve handling or or fine tune it, so to speak, for on a pro races basis. Right. So, okay. um, so pro actually the same thing it was a pro. It was a pro light spec sled. There was no. It was identical
0: with an aftermarket sil- a silencer.
1: So, That's right. That's what pro light is. Yeah. Pro light sleds have aftermarket silencers now. So.
0: Okay, so let's really get to the meat here and, and what everybody really wants to know. Um, the ISR, this past ISR meeting, um, you attended along with all the other affiliates, and that goes for all the different uh, uh, disciplines: hill climb, oval, snowcross. Um, so, talk to us about uh, the ISR meetings. Uh, who attends? What what affiliates actually attend? And um, when? Um, I, I guess you all imp- you, you all suggest certain rule changes um, from all the affiliates. Um, So what exactly happens at the ISR meeting?
1: So ISR is in place to basically create um, fair racing rules and opportunity for all snowmobile and different types of racing, whether it be drag racing, hill climbs, snowcross, ovals, whatever it is. Um, The different categories take place on different days. So our our meeting basically includes the cross-country racing and and snowcross um so all the affiliates that want to attend attend those those meetings and we sit and we talk about the rules where we're going with the sport what's going on right now what are the problems what are the issues and then we discuss that amongst the group and we'll vote on certain things in addition to that um so every affiliate has one vote and then the manufacturers have uh, a combined vote between the three of them that that attended the event at the rsr meeting so in order for the manufacturers have a, meet, uh, have a vote, they have to all agree on what the particular rule change is or um, is going to be. So if they don't all agree, they don't get a vote. It's just abstain. So the manufacturers didn't agree 100% on this particular rule. They were close. They all agreed on the motor package going to a ProLite um, production stock engine with um, aftermarket silencer. They all, they all agreed to that, but they didn't all agree to the chassis um, Rule to go into a pro light spec sled. They wanted um, some of the manufacturers wanted an open chassis rule, and others um, others did uh, wanted uh, partial uh, rules in place where they could change the suspension components, and move them around, and then one of them wanted just to uh, keep it um, at the pro spec as we were proposing. So that's they they did not get a vote. The other the other group that is there is the smidge group, which is all the aftermarket companies. Um, for example, Woody's. Stud Boy, MBRP, the Pipe Builders, any aftermarket company also gets a vote on, on a rule change. As they, they get one vote amongst a group of them, so they have to all have a, a meeting previous to the SR meeting. Um, they all know what's coming on the table um, from a newsletter that goes out in advance, and they get to discuss it, and then they can decide on what they want to vote on. So they had one vote as well. So it's important to note in regards to the, the new rule um, all of the affiliates uh, voted on it after saying their piece on what their, their reasoning was for the rule. They all voted on it um, unanimously, with the exception of one. So I think uh, five out of the six affiliates voted unanimously to go to the, um, the new rule. And the manufacturers did not get a vote because they did not all agree. And then the aftermarket group also agreed with it. So they voted yes as well. So it was basically uh, six positive votes and, and um, two were abstained. Right. So now, there was no, there, was no um, there wasn't a single, there wasn't a single vote saying no to this.
0: Okay. So after all is said and done, there was there was uh, no votes, uh, no no votes. Now, why why would an OEM not be in favor of of, of this? Now, you said that uh, a couple OEMs w- were not in favor. Why would they not be in favor?
1: Well, the OEMs have. They, they only they know what is coming down the pipeline and what they have coming to the table for changes to the sled design and, and innovation of the of the new race sleds that type of thing. So, ISR as a group, our job is to create to create rules that we can that everybody can compete by and, and run fairly um, and have equal opportunity, so to speak. The manufacturers, um, their job is to look after their own product line more so than. The, everybody else's, and, and and grow the sport. And the same thing with the race teams. The race teams, their job is to uh, win a race. It's not necessarily to grow the sport or create rules. Um, and it's the same thing with the race managers that attend the event. Their job is to win races, and it's, their job is to win races like right now, not not three years down the road from now. They won't have a job in three years. So they. Um, Yes, with their with their vote, we have to keep that in mind that what each particular manufacturer or or um, um, individual wants, uh, you know, for their particular re- own particular reason, so to speak. So that's um, that's that's the reasoning and the way the the voting voting process goes any outboard. So yeah, so- we have to keep in mind that yeah, everybody has their own you know objective moving forward with the rule.
0: Their own agenda, right? So uh, you're saying that the teams have their own agenda. Their their agenda is to win now and and make money. I mean, they're 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 out there to make money. Uh, it's a it's a business for them. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So the consensus from um, most people, if you, and and uh, it's been a hot button topic on social media. The consensus is that uh, um, the shrinking the answer is to the shrinking pro class. Is not is is and, and to prevent them from quitting is not to have stock sleds, but to have open sleds. What, what is what is what, what is your opinion on that? Uh, th- these are the
1: spectators talking now. Well, snowcross. I keep going back to motocross because the, the motocross demographic mirrors the snowcross demographic as far as the as far as the athletes go. Um, the course designs are, are similar, more so than in other types of racing. For example, we're not like drag racing. We're not like oval racing. Snowcross and motocross are similar. So when the sport of snowcross started 23, 24, years ago, we started with stock sleds. That's a, that's a start at all. It, was all. it was all about going to a production-based sled, and the best rider or athlete at the time would, would win the race. And that's how I I believe it should still be. I think that the best athlete should should win the race. Um, And that's not necessarily what's happening when someone has a machine that is worth, you know, has so much technology in it um, that can be bought and purchased compared to a stock production type sled. So motocross and snowcross being similar, um, that's just what our feelings are. We think that the athlete should win the the race, not necessarily the, the team with the most money. So, um, with motocross, the, the bikes are all very very similar. For example, they're all running 250s or 450 cc motocross bikes with minimal change done to them, all within four or five six horsepower of each other. And the best rider at the end of the at the end of the day, at the end of the race, is the winner. The guy that's trained the hardest, the guy that has the best, um, um, you know, team behind him, team support, and that's how snowcross should be as well. And that's not how it has been for the past few years. Um, there's been a few teams out there, five or six teams that have had mega dollars behind them and, and have a bit of a financial advantage with different technologies. And um, and it's really taken away from what the sport started as, where we were dealing with full-on production sleds and, um, and, the, and the athlete. For example, if you watch... Uh, you know, uh, a hockey game or a baseball game, everybody, the fans are there to watch the athlete perform. They don't care what the hockey stick is, what the baseball bat is. Same thing with NASCAR. The, the vehicles themselves, the cars are all very, very similar. They have the, eight, the same ignition box. They're on the same tires. They're on the same horsepower. They have the same downforce. And the fans are there to see uh, good close, exciting, uh, tight racing. Um, and they want to see their favorite driver win, and they want to see them possibly ride on the on the brand of... Of a vehicle that uh, the fan likes, no different than Snowcross. The fans really want to see their brand win, whether it be a Skidoo player or Articat, and they want to see their favorite racer win. So, with this new rule in place, that's what's going to happen. I think it's going to give uh, a lot more kids um, and the up-and-coming independent riders opportunity to compete um, in uh, in this pro in this feature pro class, which is the pinnacle of our sport. Right. Um, so that's uh, that's. The primary reasoning for what we 're we're heading
0: yeah um, I, I read recently uh, one of the top satellite teams um, um, was was quoted as as, as saying that uh, you know they they start preparing their sleds uh, you know in 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 June and July for the upcoming season i I, I, I personally find that pretty unfair <coughs> considering all all the uh, everybody else all, all the other race teams, all the independents they they get their sleds uh, you know the day after heydays or something like that in in November. So I, I, I think, you know, I, I don't see how people can compete on, on an equal playing field and, and have a full pro class when, when you have, you know, half a dozen teams now um, working on their sleds uh, in, in June and July and, and the other, the other uh, hundreds of, of potential pros getting their sleds in November. What's, what's your opinion on that?
1: Well, exactly. That's that's what this this rule will will we'll clean a lot of that up. Right now, as you said, some of the primary teams are working on their uh, have been working on the pro-open sleds. Um, for as soon as the last race, as soon as Lake Geneva is finished, they're working on next year's stuff. Where the independent racers, as you said, don't get their not get their new sleds until um, November. They've got a few weeks to prepare them for before Duluth, and it's really not fair. They have no chance whatsoever of being competitive. So now everybody's going to be forced to use the uh, limited build race sled, which is all going to come out at the same time. they're all going to have um the same sled to start working on for the same amount of time, and it's going to be a lot more competitive in that sense and give the independents a bit more of a a bit more of a chance it's going to make racing a little bit tighter and um just a little bit more fair for all the racers that want to compete in that class
0: right um you you mentioned our uh, comparisons uh, with with motocross also too uh I think I, I if if we look at at, at, at snowcross and snowcross sleds in the past um say 5 years or so um there really hasn't been a whole lot of uh development there there's been there's been some that we don't see but also if you, if you, if you also make comparisons to motocross um there there's a dr- dramatic difference in the development of motocross bikes lately versus the development of of snowmobiles <clears throat> for snowcross racing Comparatively, I mean, look at look at one manufacturer. They just they just changed their 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 sled chassis that they were running for ten years. They just recently changed their sled chassis. So I, I think personally, we're gonna we're gonna see a lot more development um, now uh, that the manufacturers have to compete because it's it's going to be closer.
1: Well, absolutely. Any of the um, any of the technology changes that that are happening. Um, and maybe only a few teams were getting that uh, trick information from from whomever it may be. Um, that, inf- that information is now going to go to the racing department, and there's going to be a better limited build race led built. That uh, with every team building 175 limited build racers, you're going to see more innovation uh, heading to those machines, and and all the racers benefiting uh, from it instead of just six or seven racers. So in that sense, um, I think you're going the change is going to be better for. Um, hundreds of racers instead of just uh, you know five or six to get the, have the large dollars behind them and the, and the free ride. So um, absolutely, it's going to be better in that sense. It's going to tighten up racing in the future class. You have to understand that we're down this past season, um, even on the ISOC circuit, to, at the end of the season, six or seven racers. So with Snowcross being the pinnacle of our sport and the pro open class being the pinnacle of Snowcross, you know, to have five or six racers um, is, almost a, is almost a joke. It's, it's ridiculous. Like in, in, in motocross, there's hundreds of pro racers that are going to be heading for a championship at a, if you get to a supercross, supercross program or an AMA championship or whatever. The snowcross sport sure is much smaller, but there should be 40 to 50 racers in that feature class, not, not five, six, seven, or even 15 at best. There should be 30 or 40 to 50 and I think this is going to allow that to happen. I really honestly expect that the, the, the numbers will double in, in year one and grow from there. And, you know, you're going to see the, the top riders, Hibbert, Tremblay, these guys that are surely going to win the majority of the of races. They're phenomenal. It doesn't matter. You're going to see the odd upset now. You're going to see a real shot at a challenge handlebar with, with these top riders. Exciting to watch to get uh, get a factory ride and fractures. Um, it's going to allow the teams provide better payback, better contingency programs, and and just start to grow the sport again in the in the in the higher end. We've got we've got great programs right now, starting from the bottom with the 120s. You know, the novice, the junior classes, the sport, pro light—they're all very vibrant, very, very solid classes. Then you get the pro open, and it all falls off because it's a whole new level of money that you want to compete there. And if you want to be actually be competitive, it's just totally out of range for for most of our uh, most of our participants. And and that's not how our sport really should be. It should be if you're if you're a good quality rider. You've been training hard. You know how to ride. You're a great athlete. You should be able to win. It shouldn't matter that uh, if you, if you you know what, what sled you're on. Um, and you shouldn't have to have a million dollars behind you to win a race. So this is going to open the door for a lot more independent teams to move up through the ranks. And I think it's going to um, really help out at the top end of our sport.
0: So you expect to see more like like maybe factory satellite teams. Um, join, join up, or, or, or even start now that the, there's p- potential that they can challenge against the the factories.
1: I, I don't expect to see. I don't expect to see more factory-backed satellite teams. I don't expect to see more teams, independent-type teams, that can compete and can come up and race in that class and compete against the um, factory-supported teams. They're all going to have the same equipment now. Um, you know, there's still obviously going to be guys like. Like Bender and and who have who have and uh, some of these really phenomenal mechanics, they're going to fine tune these sleds, uh, the clutching, the, the suspension systems, everything else. They're still going to you know have a bit of an advantage over some of the other guys, but it's going to be much closer now. they are not going to be getting a lap twice. So,
0: um, okay, so
1: you know there's going to be opportunity for these these younger kids and to come up come up and, uh, and compete.
0: Yeah, there's some there's some nice young talent. Uh, uh, you, you mentioned like the guys like Taylor McCoy and uh, you know Lincoln Lemieux came up through the affiliates, uh, a young rookie, and uh, these young kids uh, and they're phenomenal talents. They just ne- they've just never had uh, the equal uh, performance of, of, of a of a factory of a factory machine. And then when you do get them on, well, they're, they're a, a great race. You know, they're, they're, he's, they're, these young riders are going to be competing against uh, these uh, veterans. So, um, okay. So, um, what what do you expect uh, for, as far as is this is this new class? Is it going to help uh, teams with, with tr- maybe travel or or uh, you know the, the 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 big budgets that they've normally had had? Do you think it's going to help uh, uh, their budgets at all?
1: Well, I think obviously the cost the cost to go racing is going to be less in regards to the cost of the sleds. Uh, in regards to travel. Um, that's up to the the circuits I guess where they're taking the events basically by socks, taking them right across the country and uh, uh into different different regions, it's which, which is what the sponsors want, then that cost of travel, which is which is probably a larger ca- cost moving these big teams and the staffing and everything else around, um, that's not gonna change. So all we're really controlling here is the cost of the sleds, which will which will help obviously. Um, in regards to the manufacturers, the manufacturers have been in the past spending a ton of money on on uh, R and D for mod engine systems for for pipes that type of thing that that revenue can now be put back into the limited build limited build race sleds as well as um, supporting additional racers and stronger contingency programs. So in that sense, financially, it should be more beneficial to um, everybody. Right. I guess I guess Gord, what what people need to understand is, um, and the race affiliates look at this as a bigger picture. Um, moving forward we need to grow our, we need to grow our sport um, we aren't going to have racers or races if we haven't got strong race circuits and um, our fans if our fans start going away and, and some will argue this is going to make some fans go away um, I really believe that fans want to see as I mentioned earlier good quality racing handlebar to handlebar exciting racing that's, that's really what they want to see and they want um, you know, to see hopefully their brand win but you have to have a solid race circuit. For example, if the race circuits go, when well, we've lost a number of the smaller, um, smaller affiliates. Uh, there's no there's no race circuit in Michigan right now. Uh, it's one of the strongest states for snowmobiling, so there should be one there. <clears throat> and there's some other uh, other um, smaller affiliates that are uh, hurting financially. And and um, even the bigger circuits like CSRA and, and ISOC, we have to have a, su- a successful circuit, and we need more than five or six races in the pro feature class in order to keep our sponsors engaged and to keep our fans engaged we need to have 20 30 40 50 riders and some really crazy action you know and that's what that's what the fans really really want and so do the sponsors so if we can't provide that eventually they're going to start falling off and then the race circuits go away then we have no racing and um and that and that sucks everybody so this rule we're hoping is going to help change that around and and move more people up into the up into the ranks of the the future pro class and pro light, and will allow movement for the sleds. You know, these races to move up through those through those ranks a lot easier now. Instead of going up all the way to pro light and then bailing out because they can't afford to go to pro pro open the past pro open class, now they can certainly, um, if they can run pro light, they can run pro. The sleds are going to be the same. The cost will be the same. So, okay, so that goes. There's into definitely my- a financial advantage. Okay,
0: so that goes into my next question. What is going to be the difference between the pro Light class and the Pro-Open class then? People are saying that uh, you know, it's going to be uh, uh, Pro-Lite Light 2.0. Um, What is going to be the difference?
1: Gord, it's no different than what Motocross is. Motocross has got tens of thousands of fans. And as I said, they're all running the same bike. They're all running the same product as far as the motorcycle goes. There's very little difference in the bikes. What differentiates the class in in motocross? The classes in motocross is rider talent, which will be the same in snowcross. It'll be a better rider, obviously, in the pro class and pro light. So, rider talent is going to differentiate the classes. Length of races, or length of motors, whatever you want to call it, will differentiate the classes. The prize money structure and the talent in those classes, the media, and everything else is what's going to differentiate the classes. So, the higher profile classes are going to are going to have the top riders, the top money. Longer longer races, and and likely most most likely faster lap times just based on the talent, no different than motocross.
0: Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay. So the uh, the these these race teams, these uh, r- old race satellite race teams, that they, they they were saying that the, you know they're developing uh, the, you know new future products uh, for for the OEMs and stuff like that. Um, how how is the, these new rules going to um, affect future development
1: for consumer sleds i wouldn't that 's a bit of a that 's a bit of a tough question. The future development really goes on on the test track, not on the racetrack. No one is putting on a um, a brand new part they 're going to try for the first time on the racetrack that, that part's going to be well tested um, off site first to ensure that it 's durable enough um, and performs better. They aren't going to, you're not going to see Tucker Hibbert or um, Tremblay trying a brand new part on a on a pro-open sled, so to speak, on a, on the racetrack first time out. That development takes place long before that ever happens. They would not risk a championship by a part failure um, on the racetrack unless it was well tested off track in advance. So all that development goes on anyhow. Now what will happen is the development will take place um, if it's an actual improvement, um that is that can be adapted to the race sled, it'll get adapted now to limited build race sled, and all the racers will get take advantage of that. So it'll be, you know, 500 race sleds out there with this new part on it. That'll get well tested. And then if that works, it'll then possibly get adapted to the production sleds later on. But as far as brand new development going on and hitting the racetrack, that simply does not happen. The racetrack will be used for testing uh, a new part that has been developed, and that can continue. Now it can continue with with a, a few hundred sleds instead of six. Right. So I think that the I think we're in a better position to see future uh, future development for for production race sleds, and that's what the manufacturers can justify. They can justify creating a better part that's going to improve a production race sled that can be adapted to the consumer sleds. What's happened in racing, and, and you've seen it. I've seen and everybody that's been around for a long time, the sleds start to get too high tech, the specialized parts that don't even relate anymore to to the consumer sled. And that's what happened with oval racing when we went over went away from um, all four manufacturers out there, or six or seven or eight or a hundred at one time. Racing got so high tech, it ended up going to getting too expensive to not relate to the consumer anymore. You got the ice cutting uh, oval machines, one to the twin trackers. Um, the other three manufacturers dropped out, and basically the oval sport went away. This, it just simply got too high-tech and too expensive. No different than personal watercraft racing, where the impellers and the pumps got, got so expensive, the average guy couldn't, didn't have the means to make that technology or, or understand it or create it. The sport pretty much went away. All major race circuits in the world um, that are successful have brought measures in to reduce costs and keep the racing tight. Formula One has recently done it because we used to be used to watch the Formula One races. We got to be able to ahead everybody by a lap or two. It got boring as hell. The fans started to go away. So They had to put measures in to bring that back into check. It's no different than NASCAR. Um, the NASCAR sleds are all very or, or uh, cars are very equal to each other, and the best uh, the best driver and, and team wins. You know, they're all changing tires at pit stops. They're all the same tire. not different. As I mentioned earlier, they're all templated. The downforce is all the same. Everything is pretty much identical with those cars. It's the biggest fan base in the world for motorsport. And once again, I go back to motocross. How many fans do we have? Tens of thousands of fans and thousands and thousands of racers. And everybody can relate to what's going on. They're all running basically production bikes. There's the odd, crazy end-level machine out there that one of the factories might be working with. However, the majority of the racers... Uh, in Canada and the United States and anywhere else in the world they run on the same thing mm-hmm.
0: so, yeah it makes it makes sense uh okay so since since this uh, ISR rules meeting um there there's been a lot of discussion what what have you heard uh, in any valid points i mean there's been a lot of comments about the the rules a lot of uh uh spectators have been saying you know they they hate their new rules um you know, I haven't heard anything from, um, too much from race teams, I haven't heard anything from uh, much from OEMs, but what have you heard from uh, the media response, and uh, uh, have you been able to convince anybody to get get back on your side, and, you know?
1: Gordon, I think when, I think when, um, well, yeah, I've I've convinced quite a few people to get back on, on side for this, for example, every one of the affiliates has agreed to it because they've understand, they've heard the detail and the reasoning, and they understand it, and and I think that even the the fans and and um, the and the you know the the other race teams, anybody that wants to see our sport succeed, is going to understand what we're doing here and hopefully support it because that's really what needs to happen to make this sport grow. As I said, if we haven't, if it doesn't grow and it, it continues to decline, it goes away. So none of us want that. Whether you're whether you're a promoter, a racer, a fan, a manufacturer, a sponsor, none of us want it to go away. So we have to make a change to make this um sport bigger and better and and you can I don't if someone else has a better idea, then I wouldn't mind um you know, it'd be great to know what it is because um we're working with all the most brilliant minds um in the uh, in the industry and no one else has come up with anything that's uh that really has any merit to it that's gonna make things bigger and better and grow our sport.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Um okay. Your expectations going forward, what, what, what do you expect to see this year and and maybe two, two three years down the road? First, uh, what, do you, what do you expect to, for, for next year?
1: Uh, well, I expect that – I really do expect the sport um, in the new pro class. Uh, I expect the entries to double in that class right off the bat um, at the ice soccer events. Um, I think you'll see more of the um, other affiliates – Smaller affiliates, so to speak, racers, um, be more inclined to go to head to Duluth, for example, to compete head to head with the other with the with big guys because now they'll have equal equipment, and I think you're going to see a lot of these uh, other independent teams that um, um, can no longer compete and and uh, looking at getting out. Maybe will stay, and you'll see other riders that simply will now take on the challenge of um, racing handlebar to handlebar with. With Tremblay and Hibbert, Cody Cam, whoever, whoever you want to, whoever, whatever name you want to use, they can all be competitive. So I think I think the uh, the class itself is going to grow, and I think that the um, the fans, everybody, will come around after after a few races, and when they see how exciting the racing is, when it's handlebar to handlebar, and and uh, you know three, four, five guys, different guys, racing head to head all the time. No different than what the pro light racing was last year. The pro light class racing at the ISOC level at all the affiliates um, was phenomenal. And now those sleds have a little bit of noise to them with the, with the aftermarket silencer rule. Um, that excites that excites the fans because the noise is there now. And you've got racing uh, that's extremely tight and competitive. So I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be better for sure.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, to, now. Is, is there is there anything else possibly on your mind, or that, that you have seen that maybe down the road you m- might think uh, would would help the sport grow? As far as maybe rules changes, um, what to, what to expect for tracks? Um, you know, what, what 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 do you see coming down the road for for snowcross?
1: Well, I think this rule that we're changing right now—it's uh, you know—it's already stirred up a lot of excitement, um, positive or negative. There's more excitement right now, but what's going on than than we've seen in the past few years because um, there has been no, you know, the recently the sport has been fairly static. So now now there's something new going on, which has definitely created some excitement for the uh, for the pro level racing. That in itself is going to, I believe, draw people to to the events just to see what's going to go on, what's going to happen now, and all these other kids that have the same sled as as, as Hibbert, Hibbert has or or, or anybody else. Um, so I think that itself is going is to be beneficial, and it will actually um, grow our attendance. The other great thing that's happened this past year um, that's going to benefit Snowcross is the introduction of a new 200cc sled from um, Yamaha and Articat. We've, had a, we've got some really strong um, 120 classes. I think at CSRA we have over 80, 88 uh, 120 riders, all between the ages of 4 and 10. So now those kids all have a uh, – there was a bit of a, a gap in the, in the class structure between, between the 120s and the, and the full-size sleds, and so now we have this new 200cc snow scooter, or ZR200, to fill the gap there, which will keep our, our kids engaged. It's going to be a really cool little sled. So that in itself is, gonna, is a big plus that, that the industry has needed for the past 10 years um, to keep our young kids engaged, um, to get them – and then after going to that sled, they can go to the, you know, the full-size transition sleds. So that in itself is going to help us grow um, the sport because we need to have the strong, solid kids' classes in order to feed the upper-level classes down the road and then, and then um, you know, if all the other affiliates are, um, are solid with numbers, and those, those racers then move forward and head to the international circuit, uh, the ISOC circuit, and then up into the um, future classes. And now this would complete a, a really nice class structure where... The kids can race all the way from uh, the 120s to the novice to the juniors to the, the pro, pro light right into the pro class, the feature class of the of the, of the uh, sport, and um, have opportunity to do it because they can afford to have the same size as everybody else. And um, that in itself creates a, a great program for, uh, for growth. Um, in addition, I guess one point that we're, we've missed out on is, is the benefits of of this rule as well is that all these sleds now at the end of the race season these pro sleds can be sold to um, the transition kids or the junior novice kids we put a rule in place last year at ISR um, where novice and transition kids had to use a one year old sled they can't can't buy a brand new sled we did this for the same reason so that all the kids could have um, a sled at a reasonable cost and they didn't have to worry about um, getting the new sled every year. They have to. They have to use a new sled. So this, in a turn, in turn, created a nice sales market for the riders buying the new sleds, the sport and pro light sleds. The sleds could be sold to the transition kids with a detune kit, with a detune DCM to limit um, uh, RPM to bring the horsepower the sleds down, so they're safe for the kids. So now the, the the feature class pro sleds fall into the same category. They can be sold uh, down to the kids. At the... Kids for the kids to use the following year, um, with a D10 kit on it. So technically, um, a ten-year-old kid could have his dad head up to Tucker Hibbert and say, hey, "I want to buy your, I want to buy your sledge at the end of the year for my kid." And how cool is that for a for a kid to have in a shop the following year? To, you know, uh, it just creates a great opportunity for for excitement for for the kids and moving forward and up into the higher classes. And then that in itself will save the racers and these race teams a ton of money because now their sleds can all be sold. In the past, the pro open sled you can't get rid of it; it's no good for anything. You can't run it on the trail; uh, it's all cut up, bent up, different parts, whatever. Can't be used for anything, so it's garbage basically. Some of these sleds cost you know 50, 60, maybe 100 grand, and they get thrown in the barn and and are no good for anything else. So now all the guys running in the feature class end of the season can sell their sleds for five to seven grand. All that money goes back into the team or back to the racers that run in those classes, and, and uh, it just creates another nice economic circle um, to, um, to keep some used sleds going to the kids, so it's cheaper for them, and then it makes uh, certainly makes it a lot cheaper for the guys who are in the future pro class when they can get rid of the sleds at the end of the season. So that's a, that's another huge benefit of this, this uh, rule change.
0: Yeah okay well, that's, that's fantastic uh, Ken I, I really appreciate uh, you coming on and talking with us and uh, hopefully this will clarify a lot of uh misconceptions about the new rules uh, is there anything else you want to add anything else i I didn't ask you anything else you want to add uh you know uh, that you want the more of a message or, or clarified uh, to to people um about this about the new rules or uh snow cross in general
1: well i, I guess um you know, in, in, in regard to the media, and I just want to talk about that for a little bit, and, and, and about the excitement of, of the new, um, the new class plan. For example, when you go to Heydays, Gord, the most exciting thing that happens at Heydays um, is the new release of the limited build, limited build race sled. Absolutely, that's yeah. where where the race teams announce their what, what's coming next season. And when you go there, that's where all the fans are. That's where all the media is. They're all wrapped around the Articat. Let's go with the players trailer to see the new limited build race sled. So definitely, and that's no different than motocross. If you look at a motocross action magazine, the most exciting thing to happen is uh, when the new when the new bike is announced and it's on the front cover. Everybody goes and buys the magazine. And they want to see what's coming down the pipeline. So that that excitement is going to is going to continue, and it's going to be even stronger now because everybody knows that these limited build race sleds are going to get much bigger. Um, and not much bigger, but much better in quality with new performance uh, trick parts on them. Um, everybody's going to want to see that technology advance, And that's going to happen every year, every single year like, is going to improve niche manufacturer. It has to now because the top dogs have to ride it as well as the independents. So that in itself is going to be a, a great boost. And um, I just wanted to mention that, that I think that uh, people are missing out on that. You don't see, um, all the media and, and big throngs of fans swarming around, sharing's trailer or any of the other super teams' trailers to see their to see their mod race sled. All the media is there to see the latest limited build racer, and that's gonna that's gonna continue. Um, the other neat thing about about this um, this rule is the sleds in the feature class can be teched uh, very easily compared to um, the past rule. So, basically, if you've got a stock limit to build race sled sitting there in your tech department, you can compare that sled to anything that any race program has, any, any race team has, and every part of that sled better match. The arm needs to look the same, needs to be way the same, needs to be the same dimensions. Every part of the sled has to be identical, so everybody uh, you know it's easy to check to make sure everybody is using the same equipment. Um, another important uh, important note is the fact that a lot of these um, really high profile names within the industry, the sled builders like like Tim Bender and some of these other uh, top mechanics, these guys that are in the know of the sport and have been there for a long long time they 're also they also want to see this rule be, be brought in into, into place because they know that this is the only thing that can potentially save the sport, and these guys all want to have a job in a few years, so they want to see this this uh, this class brought into uh, brought in place and and see the great exciting racing and and as far as the mechanics go they still they 're not going to be affected at all now they 've got to fine tune whatever it is they can on that sled to give their rider an advantage whether whether that be the suspension uh, the eCM the uh, aftermarket silencers, um, you know all the stuff um, you 're just going to have to they got to pay more attention to those particular items. Um, reinforcing the sled if it's got a weak spot, all that type of type of information. Now you're going to have the best minds in the industry, the best mechanics in the industry working for one goal, and it's going to be to improve uh, that limited build racer so that their rider has a, has a better machine. That's going to be important because in the past, they've retained that information. If, you, if, um, if Bender or, or Steve Hool or Speedworks guys, whoever, had a really cool um, something they developed, they would retain that information as long as they could. They didn't hand it off to the manufacturer because they wanted to have the advantage. That law will go away now. That, that information will get transferred directly back to the manufacturer racing departments. They'll say, hey, we need to get this done to the sled so that, that it works better, uh, whether it be a suspension component, engine component, uh, ECM change, um, anything. That information is going to go back to the manufacturer. They're going to build a better limited-build race sled that hundreds of racers will take advantage of. And then from there, it will be tested on the racetrack. And from there, if it's a great advantage um, and they can produce it for a, a good cost, that part will then be adapted to the consumer sleds and the, and the everyday snow will be a little benefit from it. So we're just going back to where Snowcross started from. Um, in addition, in Snowcross heyday, where we were using 440 mod sleds at the time, 1999, 2000, um, the, sl- the horsepower of those mod sleds were about 120, 130 horsepower. Well, that's exactly what we have today with the with the limited build racers and the 660 sleds, all the same horsepower. And the other thing we didn't really talk about was um, the speed or the lap times for the for the sleds. The limited build sleds this past season, the pro light sleds, they're only a fraction of a second off what our pro open sled was. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as if there's a whole uh, you know major difference. We had some circuits, for example in Quebec, the kid who won all the pro open class races was riding a limited bill pro light sled. And we had pro light racers on our circuit, um, podium a number of times. So lap times um aren't really a lot different. There's so many benefits um to this new this new class uh, structure that um I I just think it's going to be a better a better program um, year round, you know, or or, or for for everybody, whether it's working on the sleds, um, with the race team, um, for the parents, you know, the the cost to take the kid racing is going to be a lot less expensive. Um, You know, there's just there's lots of benefits. The racing is going to be tighter. Um, The speeds may be slightly less, but a little bit safer. Another another um, issue that's that's been a problem for our our racing internationally is, is the racer injuries. And when you have, for example, in the, on the iStock program, half a dozen guys that have better equipment than the rest of them, you get these kids that are forced to ride over their head if they want to um, try to compete or be competitive. So they haven't got the equal equipment, so the only way they can qualify, the only way they can win, is if they, they ride over their head a little bit. They're, they're, trying, they're going as fast as they can go, and they've got to take an extra chance just to try to make a final. Um, so I think that, and, and a lot of times they're crashing and getting injured. So I think this is going to, just even the playing field a lot more and make it, um, make it a better program for, um, for all the racers. Right. A lot, a lot, a lot, lot more fair for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, I, 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 agree with you, Ken, and, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, hopefully, uh, if they do it at, at, eight days, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the introduction of these, uh, these new sleds, uh, going forward now. I think it's going to be exciting. Uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what the manufacturers come up with now because they're, they're going to have to come win right out of the box. And, uh, so it, it should be interesting. So, um, okay. So, um, what do you, what, what's, what's, uh, what else have you got going uh, forward, uh, this year for the CSRA, uh, uh, sponsors, uh, everything's looking good for, uh, for next year. Uh, um, any, any other, uh, changes?
1: No, we're we're working on um just uh, the same format as we've been using for the last number of years. We've we're always working on new sponsorships and um and the and new race events, new sites. But um we're just working on that, that stuff right now and um you know our primary goal is to get these uh the new rules straightened out with with ISR so we can um let the racers know what's going on so they can they can look at um finding or purchasing the new race ledge for next year and then um we'll announce our race schedule and and sponsorships and prize money structures and that type of thing um, leading into the season in October when the uh, snowmobile shows start up.
0: Great. So, Okay, Ken, much appreciated. Uh, I, th- I think it was a, a great discussion. Hopefully, uh, like I say, hopefully it will clear up uh, uh, s- some misconceptions about the, the new rules and uh, people can just uh, anticipate a, an upcoming exciting season and uh, uh, look forward to it. And um, thanks for your time. I uh, really appreciate it and uh, also uh contact information if somebody wants to contact you uh um, how how can they do so
1: the best way to contact me directly is just by email just to info at snowcross dot com so that's uh, snowcross in canada we spell it s n o w c r o s s dot com so just go to info at snowcross dot com or can at snowcross dot com and and um i'll gladly respond back to any uh any um any conversation or any suggestions that people may have to, uh, you know, constructive criticism, I don't mind. Um, but any, anything, anybody that has um, a question or, or wants something answered um, or is asking for reasoning for a, a certain particular item, I'd be pleased to um, pleased to discuss it with anybody.
0: Yeah, great, awesome. Okay, Ken, much appreciated, and uh, um, we look look forward to the upcoming season. Take care.
1: All right. Sounds good, Gorb. Thank you for your time. Take care. Bye. Bye.